And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of Glue Guys, we're going to dive deep into that mailbag, pull out the best questions and comments from you, the listener, ahead of the end of the All-Star break. I was in Salt Lake City for the All-Star game. I stood in front of Kevin Durant. I was within two feet of Kevin Durant. We'll get to whether I asked a question or not. (laughs) You didn't, did you? You, After the intro. Here we go. the glue guys this is mike here say hello brian hello. check us out on twitter at bk glue guys netsdaily.com the athletic get yourself on the paywall the athletic.com slash glue guys a subsidiary of the new york times company brian michael we're back uh the <laughs> nets are the nets are back Sorry. how was utah never have that did you convert to mormonism yet are you i <laughs> they tried well, to get you i flying to utah I flew from D.C. because of home of the Wizards to Detroit, and then Detroit to Salt Lake City. Uh, and on the Salt Lake City-Detroit route, okay. uh, there was a, a lovely Mormon gentleman named Braden, 6'6", Whoa. all of 6'6", in the middle seat. Oh. Felt terrible for my guy, Braden. Corn-fed Braden. Corn-fed. And he just seemed happy. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Is it? Is it? You picked the is wrong. It, you picked the wrong book, Mike. It happens to all of us. Yeah, not my choice. You know, I was fed the book. No, yeah. I don't know. It was it was great. Uh, Salt Lake City is a totally, you know, I thought of it's like, um, you ever see the movie? I think it's Ghost to Mars. It's the movie <laughs> the, where the Ice Cube. Film? <laughs> the, the like on, uh, on Mars? Yeah, yeah. But it's Zombies also a Mars. train movie yeah. somehow. Um, I felt like Salt Lake City was like if you had a settlement on Mars because you have these striking mountains surrounding you yeah. and then just a clean very wide grid streets. system. Yeah, that's what I remember. Yeah, the streets are gigantic. And nobody on them. No cars, no people. Occasionally, Fantastic. I was there, I spent one day there and I was saying occasionally you would see like one sort of SLC punk kind of, but he was like, it was like like Malgoth kind of kid, like just kind of wandering <laughs> the streets sort of. And my, the the thing, it was like first day. Malgoth, I love the <laughs> first, distinction. First day being goth. Not true you know? goth. Because they were really, you know, clean. It was all very tidy. It was like new goth gear, right? They Not. not he was uh, goth, but like picking in. up yeah. litter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but hey, lovely town, and what were your big takes, was, Mike? You had some takes. It was a big take. Hey, did you see that um, Mac McClung? I, I mean, I had one of the worst. I, I, going into the dunk contest, I was against Mac McClung. Wow. Because what the ultimately- hell? Do you hate I fun? Felt, here's, the, here's the truth. I felt like his whiteness <laughs> brought him to where he is. Wow, that's that you white know? guilt, Mike. That's the, that's- and I was like, he's this short. Like, I didn't know that much. I knew enough about him because he went to Georgetown- and then he went to Texas Tech after that, and he was and he's from Virginia, 
local local kid, even though he's from way far away, Virginia. And there's like this the, the legend of Mac McClung. He was an internet star, and I was like, but did he deserve to be at the dunk contest? Yeah, boy, uh, seeing it live is. If you could get to a dunk contest, it was incredible. It was one of the most fun <laughs> yeah. sporting events I've ever seen live in my life. The to see so of course these NBA players like they probably know who Mac McClung is on some level, but they don't really know him. And the, you know how classic setup. Mm-hmm. They're all lined up there on the bench. They're in their I don't know why we say street clothes, but you know, they're in their they're in their clothes. Their normal clothes, yeah. Their their human clothing wear. Yeah. Um and so they're all watching some Pascal Siakam had a uh, a camcorder, fantastic. Who doesn't love a good camcorder? And Classic. Mac McClung steps up to do his first dunk. I think the first dunk was the one where he had a person on a person that he dunked over. Uh, I will say that, that setup was kind of weird because um, the human centipede, if you will, <laughs> the human centipede dunk. I think that's what it's officially called. <laughs> was kind of weird because ultimately it was the way that he was holding it was about where the guy would have been at a head height. <laughs> He's just been standing some normally. Sh- sh- chicanery yeah. going on. Yeah, was some chicanery. It was a lot of dunk, a lot of squatting. Yeah, and, you got to do um, it. You got it's for the people. Um, but he pulled that off first dunk, and immediately all the NBA All Stars were like freaked out and excited. And then every dunk after that, um, just like their embrace of him and his rising confidence mm-hmm. that by the end he does the it's over. You know, you have to do an it's over thing where you you swipe your arms across your neck and you say it's over. Yeah. It's done. Um, it was thrilling, dude. No. And, and maybe it's because I was an all-star virgin yeah. in, in Salt Lake city. And I was just converted. I felt yeah. like, I know people hated the game. I left before the game, but everything before the game, I loved, I loved the fanfare. You, there's a weird element that I think you'd enjoy. Mm. There are people who go to all-star who are not affiliated with the NBA, not affiliated with a brand, who are pure basketball fans who don't go to any of the like ticketed events. Okay. They just go to like wow. the free That is an interesting archetype of a human, for sure. That travels to a city in the dead of winter yeah. to just be around the National Basketball What, what percentage of people is that? It felt like a five yeah. percent. Okay, okay. <laughs> they, it's the person that wears the varsity jacket that has all the NBA logos on it. Okay, there are there person. were multiple people like that. Yeah, uh, just tra- trapezing around. I will say fantastic. my only prejudices about Mac McClung stem from I don't know if you saw this. <laughs> I'm not going to dox anybody, but we got a bunch of DMs when he was like during right before the draft from some like local newspaper from wherever. Wherever oh, yeah, the funk right. he's from, and that was the pushiest like local newspaper guy I've ever, <laughs> I've ever come oh, across. Shit. I forgot <laughs> was, about that. He was like, "You've got five minutes to give me a quote about Mac McClung, asshole," because we're <laughs> we're going to print. <laughs> well, I mean, wouldn't you have wanted to kind of been in Honestly, a southwestern Virginia newspaper? Yeah. Now like, looking back, it's that. a big regret. But the time it was too too short a time window. The guy was up against what, a deadline. What title would you have given? Are you the chief business officer? Of the glue guys and the chief content officer. Yeah. Like what that's what's a, your proper title? I mean, I guess you're really the CEO. People yeah, I'm don't the know CEO that Brian of this operation. Thing. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, did you just learn that now, Mike? I'm, I'm sorry. just a senior manager. <laughs> yeah. Like I get to run the social media account. Yeah. yeah. No, um, you're you're VP of something for sure. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you. Uh Nets. First, before we we have so many fantastic questions. Maybe even some of the questions are on Jacques Vaughn, but we need to acknowledge Jacques Vaughn has signed a contract extension. Yeah. With the Nets, multiple years, 
I forget what the exact year outload is. They're saying Woj is saying gets extended for multiple years past 2023, 2024 season. I've seen it go a year further than that. I think runs through 2026, 2027. So that's, I mean, this is too complicated. What am I going to, that's like a four year deal about yeah, roughly. Um, great move. Great move. This is, well, he this, may actually. Well, this is what? going to get ahead of our manufactured tension because there's an ipso facto here with the Sean Marks thing. There I just is wanted an ipso to, I wanted to tease that, but um, yeah, t- well, yeah, we're going to do. Yeah. We're going to argue. I'm going to argue one side of whether Sean Marks should be fired, and Brian's going to argue the other In side. In a classic callback to our manufactured tension, which people have been segment. waiting for yeah, us to been, do. They've been waiting. They've been clamoring. <laughs> they have on the Discord. Shout out to the Discord. The, the funny thing is, the best part of it is your to me is your singing, and then we. The rest of it yeah, is it's all throw trash. it out, throw it out. Um, are you happy that Jacques Vaughn is is locked in, that we locked in the JV? I do. I like Jacques Vaughn. I I have um, you know nothing but good feelings about it. I also like just you know commitment in one fashion or another during these topsy turvy times that we're in. Mike, you know, it's good to lock in a long term. Like, hey, this guy is an operator. Um, he's, he's dedicated. He's shown all that, you know, in that Matt Brooks, uh, clip that you retweeted, um, loved his ability to engage God, I just love that. when he sees another basketball head, like Matt Brooks is, you know, definitely between the years, just got basketballs flying around and talking about flare screens. I mean, once yeah. you talk, bring up the flare. Yeah, the exactly. The only flare I bring downs. up is Rick flare, me- you know, anyways. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was like super eager to, um, to, to just go in, all in on that. And anyways, that's that's neither here nor there. Just an approachability and just general good vibes kind of coach. And he's been there through so much. Like he's been, I mean, since 2016, he's been um, in and around. Through yeah, A lot of thin and not very thick. Yeah. I mean. Right, because thick is good or is thin good? Uh, if you've been through thin. thick. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's both. It's it's both. Just, it's just thick been a long Thick is usually time. good. Yeah. You think so? Oh, okay. I see what um, you're saying. Look at me. No, I get you. Well, no. No. I'm, oh, Jesus, Brian. Um, um, but what are you alluding to? I I just think he's good as a good coaching hire. I want yeah. to get off this thicker thin thing. <laughs> I, think, I think that all makes sense. Uh, do you have any uh, yeah. hot takes? on yeah, that? I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you that. It, I mean, it. We'll talk about the Sean Marks factor in a sec, but the 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 Jacques Vaughn of this all. I mean, he's he's done a fantastic job. He's better coach than Steve Nash. So recent data point, he's better than Steve Nash. He has an infectious energy. Yeah. He's a teacher of the game. And the funny thing is, he, he may not have been the coach built for a Kyrie KD team for many, many years. Like, I think he could have pulled it off this year just fine because of his energy. Yeah. At some point, those guys are, would have probably been like, let's hire Ime now. I don't know if they would have done that. But he is the coach <laughs> for the Cam Thomas, Bridges, yeah, Cam Johnson, like that era of Nets basketball. He's the perfect coach for that. Um, it, you know, the funny thing is, you know, I almost want to say that he is this like he's this player development coach. You know, Kenny Atkinson, R.I.P. But he's also kind of buried Ben Simmons a little bit. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so it, it, even though I say he's this great developmental coach, the guy that you need to most be focusing that developmental energy towards. He's basically said, like, we don't – he's literally come out and said, it's really kind of hard to play with him because if you play him with another big, where are you going to put him? And then if you play him with no other bigs, then it hurts you 
in another way. Well, so I, I don't. Okay. Well, let me challenge that a little bit, and I don't want to get ahead yes. of our skis. <clears throat> I think that there's a version of that that you could construe as as development. You know, Ben Simmons. Ah. Hey, the the free ride's over. You got to earn your minutes. You're in the fight of your life with Daron Sharp for backup center minutes right now. Um, that's that's the reality <laughs> of your situation. Do you think Ben's going to respond to that? Um, hasn't responded quite yet. No. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't. He hasn't. Um, no, it doesn't seem to have light a fire under his butt. But um, I still like that as like a you know we we've seen the version of it where it's like okay you're auto starter and you're playing with our best players and you know but like I just. I'm I'm open to the idea that he's experimenting with how do we how do we extract the most value from Ben Simmons? How do we motivate him beyond what he's been doing? Which it's been rough, Mike. We all know. Yeah, the, he treats that heat, the fire under his butt, more as like a, a seat warmer, yeah, and a Volvo. Yeah, yeah, you know, like it's like oh, this is comforting. Well, that's the this thing. Feels good. Because, I'm going to continue to heat, sit here on the bench. The heat has been just about the temperature of a 2006 Saab wagon. You know, just not not very <laughs> hot. And now we're ramping up the heat. Okay, we're getting our Sterno cans out, Mike. We're gonna we're gonna um, heat this thing up. Let's should we just dive into? Yeah, let's get this. Let's get the, the emails going. Tell me when you're ready. You see me take a giant breath in. First up, <laughs> cheer boy, Ian McCormick. Ian says, Sick. how is any of the KD... First of all, he doesn't say hello or anything. He just goes right into it, which I love. Love that energy. Which I appreciate. Um, Ian says, how is any of the KD Kyrie saga Sean Marks' fault? I don't get it. Going back to the summer of the clean sweep, if you were the GM of the Nets, would you sign KD and Kyrie? I mean, I love that super fun bench mob season, but there's no way I'm passing. I sure didn't hear a lot of complaining at the time. Okay, so getting them wasn't the problem. It must have been managing the egos then. Well, how the hell are you going to do that? He tried giving Kyrie what he wanted. That didn't work. Then COVID comes around, so on and so forth. Going to skip to the end. Thanks, Ian. I mean, lots there. Good stuff. Um, are we blaming Marks for appeasing them, star players, or because the Nets eventually started uh, pushing back? Because either way, no matter what he does, these guys were going to do whatever they wanted for however long they wanted, and were going to bail the second they were told no. While they were here, KD and Kyrie owned this team, and pretending otherwise seems silly. That's Ian. A hot take from True Boy, Ian McCormick. Um, Which I- brings us to... Manufactured Tension. Manufacture tension. I didn't time Which it right. is a segment where Brian and I take you to side because ultimately what Brian and I do is agree on this show. Yeah. If we want to be famous, we want to become the next Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. So this is our attempt to yep. sort of get into that turf. So You take the side of firing um, Sean Marks because... Fuck you. Okay. You're an asshole. No. Whoa, 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 oh, my God. <laughs> um, but do you want to take the side of firing Sean Marks? You're better at that. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm pro-fire Sean Marks. Okay. I'm like uh, kind of authentically pro-fire Sean Marks. And I mean, it all comes down to... You're like Daniel Day-Lewis right now. You're taking on this. I, I, I'm starting to believe you. <laughs> I'm out there like cutting last of the Mohicans, making my own log cabin. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot you can say. There's a lot you can defend Sean Marks with. My main point about Sean Marks is you don't get to be the captain of the Titanic, drive the ship, whether unknowingly or knowingly. I'm not, I guess, I guess the captain of the Titanic didn't knowingly drive it into an iceberg. I don't think it was a suicide mission. That would be a real twist on the James Cameron movie Titanic, uh, re-released in theaters recently. But uh, you can't be the captain of Titanic. The thing explodes and just continue to keep sailing, sailing boats. Mm. 
You know, to, to bring it to another analogy, who's the guy, uh, Miracle on the Hudson, Sully, Sullenberger, Chelsea, the Sullenberger? Sully? The guy, Sully? Who, the guy who landed the plane that got hit with the who's, bird? Yeah. So Marx is not Sully. He's the, the captain of the Titanic. He, sure. He's, he, he did provide lifeboats in the form of Bridges and Cam Johnson and draft picks, Dorian Finney-Smith. Lifeboats were given. But ultimately, he is a partner in the disaster that is one of the worst history, like worst, you know, um, I'm not going to say dynasties, but eras in NBA history for a single team, right? Like this is a pure and utter disaster. Yeah. Um, So I don't think you get to create that and then continue on your way and and rebuilding the team. I don't think you deserve that chance. Mike, I'm going to take that point and I'm going to absolutely dumpster it because here's where I'm going to take the the captain that you're looking for already did go down with the ship, Mike, and his name was Steve Nash. If we look at, if we deconstruct the roles here of who's responsible for what, okay? What are the, what's the role of a GM? What do they do on a day-to-day basis, right? It's about acquisition, right? It's about managing the roster, right? The idea that it's now suddenly he's some kind of armchair psychiatrist, some kind of, he's there responsible for making sure everybody's friends. Not his job, bro, okay? He's not there to... to 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 take your teary-eyed messages, your voicemail messages, and and process, that's he's there for talent acquisition. All right, he's there to manage a roster. There's a whole other part of the management team who's responsible for making sure that that thing is cohesive, that it works, whatever, that everyone's feelings are 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 being honored, so on and so forth, and that the product on the court actually works. Nobody can deny that what Sean Marks did from start to finish resulted in on paper as you say, sort of pre-dynastic, non-dynasty dynasty that should have taken <laughs> that should have taken the world by storm. What failed to happen there is a whole bunch of external things that we that he in particular had no control over. When I think about the GM's role, Mike, I think about decision making, I think about roster management. I do not think about managing the emotional day-to-day of the team. Okay? And further to this point, and I'm gonna lay out my the second part of my argument here. When Sean Marks was building a team from scratch with no lottery picks, no anything, no picks of any kind, did we? Did he do a, do a good job of that, Mike? Did would you say that that he succeeded in in that process? I will see. Certainly, yes, he did a good job. And where are we now? Would you say in terms of you know are we a rebuilding team? Are we you know competitive team? Are we playing for a chip right now? Where do you think we are in our cycle? I think it's between rebuilding and competitive. I think it's the rebooting phase. Let me yes. let me ask you this. Who do you think has a better track record in terms of rebuilding teams, getting them to that next level than currently Sean Marks? Who in the NBA? Who what other GMs? Do you want me to start naming GMs? I, I want you to start naming a GM that's Kevin Pritchard, <laughs> Sam Presti, <laughs> Leon Rose, frankly, has done a, a pretty good job with the Knicks. Daryl Morey. What are we talking? Hold on. We're throwing. Brad you're, now you're just naming names. I, Pat Riley. This hasn't. Well, you asked me to name names. Just, That's what you told but, me to do. I mean, this act, is your bit. I mean, I'm good, in your I mean bit. good names that are actual defenses against what I'm saying. Because you wouldn't want Leon Rose. Rob Palenka <laughs> technically rebuilt the Lakers from a disaster. Like, if we're just looking at what's happened with GMs. John Horst. All right, you're pushing back. I like this. This is the tension. Bucks. This is the tension that I was here for. I thought I was just going to steamroll you. Tim Connolly, who... <laughs> When he was in Denver, built that team up and made it pretty good. Okay. Of anyone that doesn't currently have a job, 
do you think that there's a, a GM floating around out there on the waiver wire that you would trust with this job? Maybe I'm doing it. This is probably not what I would do in a uh, Sam Hinkie. No, <laughs> this is not. This is not how I would normally litigate because you don't want to ask questions that you don't know the answer to. That's a famous right. thing you hear lawyers talk about all the time. Motor mugging. He, and 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 I understand your point about the fact that. Like the roster construction, the on paper construction of this team, it's the on paper gods, right? They are the origami <clears throat> masters of the NBA, right. right? But here's a problem that happened. We have we have two recent things that we know that happened regarding Joe Sai and Sean Marks's relationship. And part of the, I will say, this is also why I think Sean Marks will probably stay. We got the. the I already seated. I already he seated. You see it right there. I won. Won the debate. Well, yeah, but it doesn't mean it's right. You know, what, what what is going to happen does not mean it is also right. Oh, okay. Um, for the KD trade, via Woj's reporting, we know that Matt Ishbia, the owner of the Suns, and Josiah, the owner of the Nets, haggled out the final elements of the deal. So Marks was pushed aside in the biggest trade in franchise history, was pushed aside. Before that, the other biggest trade in franchise history, not going all the way back to Dr. J, was... I don't know if doc, was Dr. J a release or was it ultimately a trade? I, I don't know. I know that uh, whatever. Pull yeah, my, roll your my ter- eyes. My ter- roll your I gotta eyes. pull up my Terry Pluto. Hang on one second. Let me I'll get that. <laughs> um, what was it? KD or was it Kyrie that talked about? Who was it that talked about the fact that like Kyrie, KD, and Josiah all FaceTimed with James Harden to convince mm-hmm. Josiah to do the James Harden trade? So in in multiple instances, Sean Marks is pushed aside. Stars go over the head of Sean Marks, which I don't think is that uncommon, but they go over the head of Sean Marks. They go to Josiah, and Josiah makes the James Harden trade ultimately. I mean, this is something that literally was said publicly, that they FaceTimed with Josiah, and that's what decided to make the trade happen. And Kevin Durant, Matt Ishbia, and Josiah hashed out the deal. So as a Nets fan, as a podcaster of the team, my concern is that in multiple instances, in the biggest level... The owner just pushed the GM aside and did the will of the players for the James Harden deal and did the will of Kevin Durant in the KD deal to the Suns. And so can Sean Marks continue to be an effective general manager if in the toughest circumstances, the most important circumstances, Joe Sy is ultimately just going to say, I'm going to do what, whether it's what the players want or what I think is best for the team. I don't think that's ultimately that unusual. Like mm-hmm. owners we know are much more involved than what we're told. But I think if you bring someone new in, there's a level, there's a honeymoon period. There's a level of a, a person who could reassert control. Sean Marks is ultimately, he doesn't control the franchise. And I think it's bad when an owner is the guy who's making the most impactful trades. And James Harden, I mean, like, I, you know, we don't talk about it enough, but like that James Harden trade is going to be one of the worst trades in NBA history, ultimately. And again, that's a different captain, different ship, right? We're still now we're we're talking about so who, same ship, bro. No, it's same not ship, because if you get a new, we're all if you, the same if you get ship. a new GM, right? That doesn't solve your problem of if, as you say, Josiah going over his head and making these decisions unilaterally. Again, not a Sean Marks problem. Exhibit B. 
if we and then this you didn't take the bait on this, but I was going to say this is my Helm's Deep argument. If you're going to push back on the, um... I'm already in. So you already won the argument. When you, <laughs> I don't even care what's going to follow, but if you reference Helm's Deep, I'm <laughs> like, okay, yes, did you, you see, win. Did you see the press conference with Kevin Durant and brought to nearly brought to tears in remembering his four years with the Brooklyn Nets? Yes. What, do you, what am I? What, do, what am I supposed to feel about that? <laughs> well, first of all, confusing, right? Because I didn't know he felt that way. Um, we should. We could. Yeah, talk he, about, never, he never <laughs> displayed that emotion while he was here. Yeah, like when we were, it's one of those weird relationships where it's like, it was, <laughs> like what the hell, God, man? Could have used a little bit of that juice, yeah. while you were here. Um, so, anyways, he obviously was tapping into something emotionally with the players. For whatever reason, they separated them. So they disassociated from their feelings like I've never seen before because KD was a vacant, you know, just a blank slate. Yep. Um, and then suddenly has is overwhelmed with emotions in a press conference for his new team, which is a weird place to be doing that. Um, I guess maybe the only place he would do Kyrie, it. Kyrie, but- I mean, as, as much as I don't like Kyrie, Kyrie did a way better job uh, sort of ingratiating himself with the community <laughs> Than KD did, and and I do, and just as I know, this is a diversion. Part of the failure of this whole KD Kyrie James Harden era is like it was just never fun, yeah. And it like part of the fun of like having a basketball team is is the the some sense of like the basketball players are part of the community on some level. Donovan Mitchell does an incredible job of this. Like he did it in Utah, he would just like show up. I'm not asking. He would show up and play like sh- pick up ball with like kids. I'm not saying like yeah, KDS so did that. Like Darren Williams did that too. So I don't know. But yeah, I take your point. Better Nets legacy, yeah. Darren Williams. <laughs> by, by the way, real quick funny thing. Darren Williams coached one of the rising star teams, and they had a draft of the rosters. And before the draft, they asked, uh, Darren, so what's your draft strategy? And he says, to be honest, I haven't really been watching that much NBA. <laughs> and I was like, God damn it, Darren. That's uh, all we – because like think about how obsessed – job. LeBron – like." Not to compare LeBron to Darren Williams, but like if fans of the show long long time know our struggles with Darren Williams way back. Yeah. And ultimately I think a guy who has no interest in basketball and retirement shows what he was like during the, when he was in the league. He yeah. just didn't care. But hey, um, we can I mean let's we, So we should, so I yeah. think I won manufactured touch. I think, I think okay. That, let's fine. go to break. Mike Mike won no. Yeah, yeah. Uh I I think this is a serious topic. Should they fire Sean Marks? And and even outside the parameters of manufactured tension. I will say I don't think they're going to. I think he's being empowered to make moves right now for the franchise's future. And I do think there's some element of Josiah that does feel guilty because he pulled off the James Harden trade and he must know is like I kinda I kinda screwed Shawnee on that one. Can I also say that there's maybe a latent competition with you know, with both the team of Sean Marks and Josiah to say like actually we can do this again. We're the winning team. And uh, there is maybe a sort of like an angle to which I could look this at, look at this and say like, Ooh, maybe they want to like be like, Ooh, can we rebuild again? Be competitive as soon as possible. And, you know, regain our, our, uh, all the fanfare that they had about being this great rebuilding team. So on and so forth. But Mike, we're going to get back into positive things. Should we take a break and then go to some positive emails? Let's take a break. Then we'll get into positive emails. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back, Brian. Next up, Cheer Boy, Allison Masick. Again, Cheer Boy. We're going neutral on Cheer Boy. Allison says, hi, good guys. Um, I'm purposely going to stop asking questions about Ben Simmons. Okay. We're stuck with him for the time being, and the only person that might be able to help him is Cam Thomas's mother. She needs great work with Cam, and she probably doesn't want the job. So onward, if slash when you have Mikhail Bridges on, I believe in you guys. Ooh, Mike, that's a little task for you. Yeah. Um, can you please? I'm sure Nets PR will help us. I'm. Sh- can you please ask him about his diet? Does his diet have to do uh, <laughs> with his insanely impressive records for most consecutive games played? Also interested in whether the Claxasons had any dietary components. Thanks, and, and appreciate the pod. Thanks, I appreciate you, Allison. In general, we have been uh, spending a lot of time doing a little bit of. Uh, you know, we're, we're spending time with the past, Mike. Let's look at the present and the future. We had an amazing. Amazing performance from Mikhail Bridges, drop forty five. We haven't even talked about that. I don't. Maybe you talked about it with your friend David before. I don't know. I didn't listen. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the support. <laughs> I actually did listen. Um, I'm just trying to be. Um, I'm still in manufactured tension mode. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, anyways, I mean, I'll take her taking Allison's, um Well, I, I do. There is a a uh, muscle and fitness interview with Mikhail Bridges. That he does talk about his diet. Do we want to get into that just super fast? You, you want to give some some high level <laughs> takes? Um, uh, so he talks about what he likes. He he likes to sleep. He's a pescatarian. Much, he was a pescatarian for talking? a while. I'm always, I'm very um, uh, I'm insecure about the fact that I, I'm kind of a nine hour guy, Mike. If I'm being honest, that's my ideal, and it just feels it feels too much. It feels you know hustle culture being what it is. I'm feeling a little bit. Um, he says, I sneak in some naps, but our coaching staff does a great job of making sure if we get in late, not to have a shoot around the next morning or move things around so we can sleep in. Uh, they do The Suns do a lot of things with scheduling in terms of when they fly out to help sleep. He is a pescatarian. 
I wasn't going to go full vegan, but I could go pescatarian. It was a cool experience. But his go-to Chipotle order, white rice, black beans, double chicken, hot salsa, corn salsa, and lettuce. Sometimes I'll add guac. I'll cut out cheese for my diet because I'm lactose intolerant. Good to know yep. for when he's on the show. Yeah, so it doesn't really tell you that much about why. Why he's, I mean, like being a pescatarian is like, you know, you can it's, it's not ultra yeah. hard thing to do. I guess. He seems like a lean guy who um, who might be exercising quite a bit due to being a professional athlete. I mean, that's really what I, it is, Mike. Well, and I think like, you know, not to go to DNA and all that stuff, but like, I think being, he is uniquely talented. If you're that many games played consecutively, which was like, was it like 360 games played in a row? Something like that. Um, it, it That's just your body and your makeup, right? Like all, there's, and the way you play and all that stuff, but it's it's less to do with like because he eats fish versus. All right, Doctor Smeltz, meat. what do you know about it? Um, next up, your <laughs> <laughs> boy, your boy, we got Matthew Abramovitz. Hey, Matthew. A long time, long time, Matthew Brown. Hey guys, two part. What do you think is the ceiling of Mikhail Bridges? And two. How do you think the Nets proceed over the summer? Do they go for a potential star, or do they continue collecting assets? Um, Mike, Mikhail had a game. I, he had a big game the other night. He did, and it got me. It got everybody thinking. Like, ooh, did we get the SGA deal out of this deal? You know, did we? Did we really get the prize? Um, your thoughts, your comments. Yeah, I mean, Bridges is like the classic guy who. Like a like a high end role player on a really good team who's young enough to where if he goes to a new team and gets more opportunity he's just going to put up better numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I don't know about him is how much obviously he had an incredible what was it forty five points forty five points. points. I I don't know enough about whether to put him in the tier of like so like there's a clear tier of like the Paul George is the peak of this in the modern NBA, like the current NBA, which is three and D, which is, I guess you can call Paul George that, but Paul George is so much more because he can actually handle the ball and create on his own is, is bridges that, you know, that that's maybe, well, if we really wanted to call it a ceiling, I think Paul George is a ceiling, whether how likely he hits that ceiling, I think it's minimal, but for sure it feels like he could be one of the most valuable wing players who isn't a primary ball handler in the NBA. So like he's not LeBron or Devin Booker. If we're calling Devin Booker a wing, he's not like those guys where he's a primary creator for your team, but because he is so good at defense, because he is available in every game that he plays, he is a good three point shooter and he's an amazing defender. Yeah. You know, like, like, so Jalen Brown has just, I think Jalen Brown's been incredible as development. Like the, the guy just couldn't dribble when he got into the NBA and now he's easily an all-star every season. Could Bridges be that? I think he's just a different player, but like, I think the Nets got something like they got a great piece in this trade. It, and I think if we, it, to go back to like the whole, like trade KD to the Celtics and get Jalen Brown, trade KD to Toronto to get. Scotty Barnes trade KD to the Suns to get Bridges because of his contract. Bridges' contract is incredible, and the years you have him, I think Bridges was the number one asset that you could get out of all of those trades. Because Jalen Brown, you're gonna have to pay a max contract to I think next year or two years from now. Where Bridges just on this yeah. nice long term contract, really nice. and I don't know if Scotty Barnes is ever gonna be. 
I just don't know if he'll like ever be a shooter enough to make it his, a threatening. His sophomore guy. slump has been um, remarkable. I will say that a player comp that I don't see enough for Mikhail Bridges, and I don't know if this is me just doing a bad comp, but Chris Middleton, like a better version of Chris Middleton, is sort of in in his style of play. It's uh, it's rangy well, with that being. Yeah, go Middleton ahead. is such a good shooter. Like I know, but Mikhail like, Bridges, I, for, I was starting to see a vision, a path forward for him. I mean, his like mid range little getting to his spots was it was there. I mean, he's shooting eighty nine percent from the free throw line. Bridges is, which is, I mean, we talk about this all the time. It's the primary indicator for like how good of a true shooter you are. For the most part, he's been a consistent three point shooter his whole career. He's never taken like the eight three point attempts per game. It's also partly the system. I am, you know what Chris Middleton's career free throw percentage is? 88. Like, yeah. It's 88%. I think it could be a – that's a tasty comp. And, like, the funny thing is Bridges is just way more athletic than Middleton. Yeah, I mean, I think a better, was. more dynamic Middleton is, is maybe the ceiling. Well, that would be amazing. I would love that. I mean, I've he's always, definitely going to get more points just because Middleton has always kind of been second second fiddle. Um, I don't know if there was ever a version of a Middleton-led, like, spree where he was able to put up, like, 30 in a game or something. Um, I doubt it, but – well. And I don't know enough about Bridges. We'll have him on the show to really suss him out. But he he's an all-defensive guy. He seems like a fantastic, at the very least, an amazing number three on your team. And I mean that it's like a very big compliment. Like he seems like a good dude, great defender. He could play in any lineup because of his size and his athleticism, because of his shooting. So is he a number two? Maybe. I don't think he, he's not a number one. He's not Tatum. You know, KD, but he's, that's a nice guy to get, you know, like we always talk about trading a, a dollar for four quarters in these mm-hmm. big trades. Bridges is more than a quarter. No, you know, no he's a, he's that's a, a, he's a sh- right there. Um, <laughs> is that a dollar? That's a dollar. It's a dollar, but it's a coin. So it's a dollar. <laughs> it's a dollar. You liked my comp. You were a little bit of pushback at first, but then the, yeah, I think I sold you on the Middleton. You, yeah. You always have nice comps. Nice. I like that. Uh, what, what second part of the question we should, we should answer. I moved on. What was the second part? The second part is, do oh. you think the Nets go for a potential star? Or do they continue collecting assets? I want to ask you this, Brian. What do you want? Don't tell me what you think. Just tell me what you would. Would you rather the Nets like try to trade for Trey Young? Oof. Or would you rather them? It's funny. My knee-jerk reaction to that is is like, we we did it. We, we've done the thing. Yes. We did the dang thing. And we flew t- way too close to the sun. We got. Let's take a breath. We got blown up by the sun. Um and that's not to say, like, I mean, again, the rest, the roster is it's currently constructed. Obviously, there's some loose ends that we need to tie up. We've got a an incredible amount of three and D wings, which I I like that as your as a a whole ass team of three and D wings is kind of a weird thing. I like it for the short term, but it might not be a long term solution. Um, it's so amazing for what the position that we were in, where we had no wings, yeah, and now we have all all the wings, and they're all young and interesting and and fun, and I'm 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 sure we're gonna all enjoy it. But at some point, there will be like a, you know, how do we actually conceive of a of a more um, harmonious roster with with some more traditional sort of parts? Um, again, we've mentioned that like Seth Curry kind of makes no sense in this current roster. I mean, anyone over the age of twenty nine kind of makes no sense right now. Um, just in terms of our timeline. But like, again, I guess looking at the question from the 10,000 mile view, it's like, when do we go all in on being like hyper competitive again? Like when is there ever going to be a moment where we do the chips all in thing again? And um, there will be that moment. That's going to, I mean, that's, that is inevitable. Like Thanos says, Mm -hmm. but I am inevitable, but God, I'm quoting Thanos. What's wrong with me in 2023, Um, Mike. 
That's how bad Marvel is that I have nothing else to quote. Hey, what about Ant Man and the Quantum Wasp or whatever? You see, see that flanger? <laughs> I didn't see that one yet. <laughs> okay. I didn't see that, I didn't see that one yet. <laughs> yeah. I actually may not see it in D. No, I don't know. I don't want to disparage anybody. It could be a not flaming turd. Nah, it's pretty pretty, pretty bad. Apparently, um, uh, they will do it. I don't think they do it this off season unless if there's a guy, unless if Cat literally comes out, Carl Anthony Towns, and says, "I want to go to Brooklyn." I don't want to go to the Knicks. I just want to go to Brooklyn. Trade me there. But like, I don't think that's going to, that's not going to happen. So I think they, for Joe size own sanity, I think he's just going to be like, let's just have this team. Let's see. Cause the most, the best way to rebuild this team right now is just to pause and see then maybe in the off season. Okay. Can you condense Dorian Finney Smith and something else to get you like an, a really good young guard from another team? Right. Like that's what this team needs. They need like a a, a really a true creator. Um, we'll see what they do. Next up, Cheer Boy, Honor, Faron. I'm not that confident in the way you said his last name, but Faron. Sorry. Anyways, um, yeah. Amir, Amir, I uh, I apologize. I'm trying my best. As a lifelong Nets fan who deeply mm. appreciated and will always be thankful for KD's dedication to winning and excellence while he was a Ooh, Net, this is an interesting even question. though he never showed leadership to bring that title to fruition, <laughs> excellent caveat, do I root for KD to win a championship with the Suns, or should I root for a worst-case scenario for the Suns that produces the best draft picks for us? I am not posing that same question for Kyrie because the answer is as clear as the earth is flat. Got him roasted. Um, Boom roasted. Michael, are you rooting pretty, for no. KD to win a chip? No, I, I like KD. As I said, at All-Star, they, they bring all the – there's like a media press room where they bring all the All-Stars in the day before the game. And I'm standing as close to KD as any member of the media. He is sitting up at a podium. I am right in front of him. And I'm staring at this guy. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that since June 30th, 2019, that we have has been in our lives, a central part in your and I's lives and all Nets fans' lives. And for as long as I can remember, ever since then, it was like our goal was like, can we get KD, you think? Like I was always kind of poking around the edges, right? Mm-hmm. And we, of course we didn't. It, you know, I, I felt like there, there was opportunities maybe at some point, particularly this season, because he seemed happy. <laughs> well, until until you had a blood feud with Eddie Gonzalez, and then and then that all went th- out the window. Well, it wasn't so much. I, I bodied Eddie. It right. wasn't a, a, f- a feud. Exactly you know, there, a feud. he didn't really punch back. Right. You know, because he couldn't. Because I bodied him. Um, but and there he is, this beautiful human who's a god of basketball, right in front of me, and I don't even care anymore because he's gone and he's in Phoenix, and I'm not saying I'm happy for him. I'm I'm non plus, you know, I just don't care. Well, um, move on quick, Mike, you move on quick. And, and so if you're a true Nets fan, you should want the Suns to completely just implode and all those draft picks become number one overall so that the Nets can get Damn. Bronny James and everyone else who maybe is good at basketball. And people doubt Mike's Nets fandom, you know, and he just went all in on scorched earth Suns. Who cares? Well, and, and, Amir brings up the uh, the fact that Kyrie's the answer is clear as the earth is flat. Mm-hmm. I am. I think it was a masterstroke by Sean Marks for getting the draft pick when he did because Kyrie probably won't be in Dallas next year. I don't even think. And then I think Luca very soon thereafter will be like 
uh, why am I here in Dallas when I have no one to play with? They keep trading away assets, keep trading away players that I like to play with. Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? And then Dallas is going to be horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to stink. Mm-hmm. So I think that 2029 pick is very tasty for the Nets. Uh, so I I think if you're a true Nets fan, it's not like you have to hate KD. You don't have to hate Kyrie even. But just you want their teams to do bad. You just have to. That's you have to. part of the game. It's part of being a real Nets fan. They did this to us. You wouldn't say that you if you were a Wiz fan, Mike. I, I take that to my grave. Next up, Cheerboy Ryan Newman, a.k.a. D Bronx one four one four in the Discord. Shout out to the One's Discord. That's uh, Discord.gg slash glue guys. If you're not in there, you are missing out. I'm just gonna say you're just missing out on the whole a whole you're you're only seeing the tip of Glue Nation's iceberg if you're not in the Discord, okay? It goes right. deep. It goes deep. Um Ryan says hello. In Thick honor deep. In in honor of Jacques Vaughn <laughs> receiving a well-earned extension, I'd like to throw the glue guys a fun hypothetical. Here he goes. If you could give another net player, coach, etc., an extension right now, regardless of CBA or seller cap rules, this is just completely fanfic. Yep. Who would it be and why? Love Ryan. Um, love you back, Ryan. Mike, who do you want to just retain at all costs? You know, reality be damned. Who's who's coming with you? Who's coming? Kyrie with Irving. Yeah. Is he still on the team? No, Nick Claxton. Yeah, the obvious choice is Nick Claxton slash Yuta Watanabe. I think those are the two. What do you think the price of Nick Claxton is going to be? Um, I because he's making. I have like a conspiracy right theory. I have. I do have a conspiracy theory. Um, because but. his minutes have gone precipitously down since all the new faces have, have come. Daron Sharp's getting a million minutes. Um, not. I mean, relative to where he was, and I just have the sneaking suspicion that we don't want to. Do this would be a really nice time for Nick Claxton to completely um, elevate his value, and I think we're kind of purposely guarding against that. Does that seem? I don't want to be cons- too conspiratorial, but the it's just weird how all of a sudden Nick Claxton's minutes are just not what they were suddenly. Yeah, so I am interested to see how. Like, if we're doing, maybe we should do this. Like, the Nets were most interested to watch over the next eighteen games or whatever's left of the season. He's high up there because he feasted while playing with Kyrie and KD, and he was a tremendous compliment offensively because he everything he got his hands on, he would throw down and dunk and be great. Defensively, he's one of the best defenders in the league, one of the most versatile defenders in the league. He has tremendous value. He's far outplayed the contract he already signed. Uh, we know that there were the trade rumors with Toronto that uh, it was the rumor that the Nets don't want to give up Nick Claxton in order to get Pascal Siakam. I think at this point, those rumors maybe seemed a little bit false because at the very same time, the Nets were trading Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns while those rumors were persisting. So, you know, it's actually kind of interesting if they had done that, though. They traded Claxton for Siakam, and then Siakam bridges. Like, if mm. that was the team, that would be actually That's very fun. fun. Yeah. Um, I'm. What is the ceiling for a Nick Claxton contract? Because he's not a max guy, because you just don't, they don't give centers max contracts. So they are the hub of offense mm-hmm. on a team. Um, you could look at Clint Capella. You can look at guys like that. Like, what do they make? $20 million a year or whatever. Uh, Miles Turner just signed like a completely wild extension. It was wild because the Pacers had room under the cap now to give them basically like $35 million this year. Yeah. And then the next two years after that, it's something like, I don't know, $17 million. I forget what the extension is. But I don't know. I... It, 
if you're the, we'll talk about this so much. Yeah. If you're the Nets, I would be part of, I, pro, I, I can't believe I'm saying this at the end of this pod because we're about to be done. Yeah. But I would be interested to sniff around on what it would, what you could get for Nick Claxton this offseason. Classic Mike Dick. A classic Mike Dick. His value is never higher. He's on this great contract right now. You could trade him to any team because he's only making like $11 million. It's very easy. Why isn't he playing and, more, Mike? It just answer me. I mean, riddle me this. That's what I'm confused. I'm conf- there's as you sussed out, mm-hmm. you smoked out of the cave. You can't get past there's me. Something- you gotta wake up real early in the AM to get one past me, Mike. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> what, like 8 30? Yeah. I'm like a time? nine. I'm like a nine guy. <laughs> yeah. Um I'm I'm we will do this. I think we should do this next up. Most interesting nuts to watch. Nick Claxton's on that list because if he just continues his production and he doesn't have Kevin Durant and Kyrie, then he's like a real guy. You know? Um, I want to so, give shouts outs to lots of people who we didn't get to because there's many emails that were. Should we do like a quickies? Are they quickie bowl, bowl or just no? Uh, no, no, I think we should end it. Um, but I do want to give shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> to, to all the Jesse Huff, your Robbie Rose had a beautiful one. Um, Lou Estevez, as always, Rob O'Grady, a bunch of others. Um, just wanted to shout them out. Um, so yeah, um, but we couldn't get to them because now is it's the time. It's the time to end the show. Thank you all for listening at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, netsdaily.com, The Athletic. Seriously, get yourself behind that paywall, slash glue guys. If you're a football fan, Mock draft season. Mock drafts. Oh, my God. There's going to be so many mock drafts. If you're a basketball fan, read about the Nets from Alex Schiffer. And we can care about the draft this year, Brian. We get to do draft preview. One of our favorite things was trying to find the Thon McCurr in every draft. Mm. Like, who was the guy that we could obsess over? Or who was the guy? He went to Duke. He was... We were obsessed about him. I don't think it was Thon McCurr. It was, like, another guy. He was always hurt. He was a tall dude. Oh my god! The show. Anyways, people are. We'll see. Harry Giles. Yeah. Remember Harry Giles? Yes, I do. He was like because he was a top recruit, and we all thought, "Oh my god, he's going to, he's he's going to save the Nets." Yeah. And the Nets did not get him. Yeah. And he was, you know, he just didn't have a very good career. That's fine. More so much more on on drafty stuff, Mike. That's going to be at least a few episodes um, of quality. Glue Guys content, that's all coming up on this season of The Glue Guys. Say say goodbye, Mike. Bye. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.